I heard a sermon once based upon James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, and I can honestly say I came away from that lesson feeling very bruised and beat up. In fact, I came away from that lesson thinking that if I owned one stitch of clothing, that I was a bad person. It was not the approach that I would have taken on the passage. It's not the approach that I'm going to take on the passage that we're going to look at this morning, which is found in the fifth chapter of James' epistle, verses 1 through 6. I had originally intended to speak on verses 1 through 6 and then continue with verse 7. I will continue with verse 7 next week. But as I studied these first six verses, it made me think about a different approach to the passage from the negative, even though there's a lot of negative here. Um, I wanted to look at what James writes in connection with some statements that Jesus made himself about wealth. And I believe what James addresses here is the misuse of riches. Jesus had a conversation with a rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler came and asked Jesus about what was necessary to, to be a member of his kingdom. And Jesus laid some things out for him. And then one of those was that he had to sell all of his possessions and give to the poor. The rich young ruler went away sorrowful because he had much wealth. He wasn't willing to do that. And Jesus said, based upon that discussion, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. You may look at that and you may say, well, this doesn't apply to me because I'm not wealthy. Well, the thing that we need to remember is, compared to most of the world's population, here in this country, we would be considered wealthy. We would be considered rich. But another point that needs to be made in this regard is that the attitude is the problem. The attitude is the issue. You can have the same attitude toward wealth and riches that would condemn you if you're poor as the attitude of the rich person that would condemn him. The disciples, upon hearing the statement that Jesus made in Luke 18, verse 23, they said, well, who can be saved? <laughs> if this is true, then who can be saved? And Jesus then responded, with people it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. I don't think it was necessary that that rich young ruler or that every person who found himself in the, in the shoes of the rich young ruler would have to sell all their possessions and give to the poor. It would not have been necessary in his case if he would have been willing to do it. This is not the same instruction that we find given to those with riches in other places. And we'll see that as we move forward in this, in this study. But now let's go to James chapter 5 and let's read these first six verses. Where James writes in verse 1, and you'll see the, the, the negative emphasis here. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted, 
and their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. Behold, the pay of the laborers who, who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and, and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in a day of judgment. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. Now again, can you see how we could take that passage and, and we could really go down the road of negativity with it? But something I want you to notice here, and that is verse 7. And we're going to come back to this next Lord's Day. But you'll notice in verse 7, verse, verse 1, chapter 5, verse 7, the use of the word therefore. And we always ask the question, what is the therefore, therefore? Well, it, it connects the discussion with the preceding statements. So what James wrote about the rich, I don't take that as being written to the rich among those to whom James wrote. These were the rich who were oppressing those who were the recipients of James' letter. Let me say that again. I don't believe he was writing these things to the rich who were among the recipients of James' letter. There may have been some who had attitudinal issues and problems. But I don't believe that they were putting to death fellow Christians, that they were abusing fellow Christians, that they were oppressing fellow Christians. I believe he was writing for the benefit of Christians who were being oppressed by those who were misusing their riches. And you can see that again in verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And again, we'll come back to that next Lord's Day. But what he's writing then is for the benefit of those who are being oppressed by the ungodly rich and giving them encouragement and inspiration to bear up under that oppression. Again, we'll come back to that next Lord's Day. But looking at James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, what I want to take away from what he wrote to the ungodly rich are some questions. Some questions that will point back to Jesus' statement that with God all things are possible. In other words, here's what you need to think about. If, if you want to be that person of means, if you are that person of means, then it is possible for you to be saved. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be the case that you have to sell all of your possessions and give to the poor. Here are some things that will help you so that God working with you and God being the focal point of your life, you can continue to be in that position of riches or wealth. Are you with me? Okay, so let's start. First question. How was it acquired? Whatever it is that you possess, whatever it, it is that you own, whatever it is that is in your bank account, how did you acquire it? Well, if you look at this, this statement that James makes in chapter four in verse chapter five and verse four, it's obvious. 
that this was ill-gotten gain. He writes and he states in verse 4, Behold the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you cries out against you and the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. In other words, you said you would pay them for the job. They did the job. You're reaping the harvest and now you're withholding the pay. You acquired your wealth by taking advantage of people. You acquired your riches by abusing those who were in a position that you could abuse them. As you look at what it is that you have, as you look at your bank account, as you look at your 401k, as you look at your, your 403b or your traditional IRA or your Roth IRA or whatever it is, your rollover IRA, whatever, as you look at that, ask the question, how did I come about this? Well, I want to make you feel good about this. In Genesis chapter 2, even before, even before the sin in the garden, man was given a responsibility. Genesis 2 and verse 15, that the Lord God took the man, he put him into the garden of Eden. Why? To cultivate it and keep it. That's work. That's work. If you acquire what it is that you have, by honest means, by legitimate labor, if you're paying your employees, if you're in a position uh, of uh, being a business owner and you're paying your employees a fair wage and you're treating them well, then whatever it is that you have acquired is good acquisition. It's, it's good wealth. It's good riches. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 11, I like the, the language that Paul uses at this place because it just speaks to life. It, it speaks to every day. It speaks to Monday morning, if you will. When Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica, he wrote to them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 11 that we are to make it, you are to make it, your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands. Keep the garden. Cultivate it. Work with your hands. And there's going to be a return on your investment. You don't work for nothing. You work with the expectation that you're going to receive based upon your work. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 18, you'll notice where Paul is writing to the young evangelist Timothy, and he says some things about a return on your labor. He says in chapter 5 and verse 18, in regards to the elders who would be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching, he says, the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. And what that referred to is the fact that when the, when the ox was threshing, you don't put a muzzle on him so as to keep him from enjoying or eating of that which was before him. And then he states in verse 18, continued, he says, that the laborer is worthy of his wages. So how you acquire your riches or your wealth is a factor into whether or not it is an abuse or a misuse 
of that which has been given to you. In chapter 6, you'll notice in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, we continue in verse 9, he writes, but those who want to get rich, you know, we sometimes make the assumption that everybody that goes into business or maybe changes their job, they're, they're driven by money. Well, it may be money, especially now because of inflation and the, the price of gas and the price of everything else. I was speaking to a, an employer just last night and he was telling me about how hard it is to keep people on the job. And it's not that they, they don't want to work, but he said if someone offers them a dollar an hour, then they're gone. Well, they, they're gone because they need that extra dollar per hour. <laughs> it's not because they want to get rich. They just want to put food on their table. But those who want to get rich, if that's the driving motive in your life, fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Well, this is the rich of James chapter 5. This is the rich man who is withholding the wages of the labor. He's doing that which is wrong. And then in verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and they pierce themselves with, with many griefs. So ask yourself the question, whatever it is that you have, was it acquired through honest, legitimate work and labor? The second question is, what is my perspective? Once I have it, what is my perspective toward it. Going back to James chapter 5, notice again the language here in verse 2. He writes, your riches have rotted. Your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted. What do you see with their riches? their gold and their silver, their, their clothing. What is the perspective toward those possessions? I'm not going to use them. I'm just going to hoard them. I'm going to acquire them so that I can be more rich, so that I can be richer. He also states in this same passage that it is, notice, it is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. Now, how is the expression last days normally used in Scripture? God has spoken to us in these last days through His Son. It's this side of eternity. It's this life. Their focus those who are misusing their riches, the reason that their riches were rotting and their gold and silver were, were rusting and their garments were being moth-eaten is because their focus was not on eternity. Their focus was on the here and now. Now you'll notice in Matthew chapter 6, and James, it is believed, was the Lord's brother, he, he certainly at some point would have been exposed to the teaching of Jesus on these same matters. And you see a lot of this, the same language being used by James as was used by Christ. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth in these last days. 
Do not store up treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then he states that the eye of the lamp is the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. It's your focus. If your focus is on these last days, this time in which you're living, your life only, and you're not building up treasure in heaven, then your eye is bad, verse 23. Your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And that's the rich of James chapter 5. Their focus was on the here and now. No one, Jesus writes, can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. It's a matter of perspective. What is your perspective? What is your perspective toward your riches, your wealth? In Luke chapter 12, at one point in his ministry, there was a request that Jesus would be an arbitrator in the division of an estate. Luke chapter 12, verse 13, beginning. Jesus responded to that request by stating, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Why were they arguing <coughs> over this estate? It's because they were living only for the now, for the moment. They weren't concerned about building up treasure in heaven, and that's why Jesus told them this parable in verse 16. The land of a rich man was very productive. He began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, So you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Do you see what he's doing? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to, to his clothing that he puts out there in the, the bigger barn? The moths are going to eat it. What's going to happen to his gold and his silver? What's going to happen to his riches? They're going to rot. He's not concerned about building treasure in heaven. He's concerned about holding on to his earthly treasure. And then God said to him in verse 20, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What is the perspective? Going back to that conversation that took place between Jesus and, and the rich young ruler over in Luke chapter 18. You'll notice at verse 18, the, the ruler asked him, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? But then he says, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to them, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he had heard these things, 
he became very sad for he was extremely rich. He didn't want to let go. He just wanted to continue to build bigger and bigger and bigger barns. What he needed to do was to have a yard sale. He needed to declutter. And then he needed to use the money that he received from that yard sale for building up the kingdom, for kingdom living. I'm working with a client right now on the sale of a business. And I appreciate the spirit of the client because the focus is on building the kingdom. This client and I have different views of the kingdom and what that kingdom should be. But the client's going to sell the business for $10 million and not change their lifestyle at all and then use the funds to build the kingdom. Not build a bigger barn, not acquire more possessions. I know of a congregation. Now, this is the Lord's church. In fact, it's where I used to preach. And the congregation sends $25,000 per month out for the support of the gospel. They pay their local preacher about $130,000. <laughs> so they've got money. But that money came from a man, and everybody knows it. I'm not telling you anything that you wouldn't know if you got to know the people in the congregation. Came from a man who sold the business. Sold it for millions of dollars. And he has set aside money to support preachers. And he gives of that fund to the congregation so that they can now send out and support preachers in other places. It's all a matter of perspective. That is an example. And there are many examples of that in life of those who use their means to God's glory. That takes us into our, our final point. How is it being used? Notice what James wrote about those who were the objects of this scathing rebuke, those who are misusing their riches. He says, you have lived luxuriously on, the, luxuriously on the earth and you have led a life of wanton pleasure. That's how they were using their blessings. Instead of seeing that they were blessed to bless, they were using what they received only to increase their standard of living. And as a result, they were living luxuriously. And isn't it interesting to note, he said, all you're doing is, is fattening yourself for a day of slaughter. You think about, you think about cattle. You feed them well, don't you? Is it because they're your friends? Is it because they're your buddies? No, you want to you wanna get them to the point where it's, it's good steak. <laughs> You're fattening them for the day of slaughter. Well, this, this is the language that's used in regards to those who are abusing their wealth, who are simply seeking a better and a better and a better lifestyle, a bigger barn, more possessions, more, 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 more it can become an issue. How is that which is in your possession being used? Well, how you answer that question determines whether or not you can be saved and how it is possible with God. If you do as God instructs in Ephesians chapter 4 
In verse 28, Paul wrote, He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. How is it being used? He's sharing it with others who are in need. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, when Paul was writing to Timothy again about the rich, he didn't tell Timothy to instruct the rich to sell all their possessions, all of their possessions, and give to the poor. Notice what he did say. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. It's all a matter of perspective. Who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. That's okay. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future. Not in these last days. Those in James chapter 5, what were they doing? They were storing up in these last days. Store up the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. James said in James chapter 1 and verse 27, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress. And that doesn't mean just go see them. That means to help them. Identify those who are in need. And then help, provide, help meet those needs and to keep oneself unstained by the world. James chapter 5, the rich, they had become stained by the world. It's not just an issue of immorality. It's a matter of the perspective that we have toward our money. It's a matter of the perspective, the perspective that we have toward the financial resources that are entrusted to us. And it doesn't matter how much you have or don't have. You can have the same attitude that would condemn. It's all relative. It's all relative. I hope these thoughts have helped. That's, that's what I see in James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. We'll pick up with verse 7 next Lord's Day. For now, let's go to God in prayer.